This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, The Rachel Maddow Show, The David Pakman Show, Counterspin, The Young Turks, Media Matters, The Daily Show, Dan Savage, The Colbert Report, and Slate Magazine with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from the Onion News Network. So your next quote comes from a presidential campaign video that was released this week. I don't agree with him on everything, but I respect him and I trust him. That somewhat lackluster endorsement came from a man named Ed in North Carolina. What candidate was he talking about? Barack Obama? Yes, indeed. (laughs) The presidential re-election campaign has begun its Obama to change harder. (laughs) The president launched his first presidential campaign four years ago with a speech in a rally in Springfield, Illinois in the footsteps of Abraham Lincoln. He launched his re-election campaign with a two-minute infomercial video in the footsteps of ShamWow. (laughs) Uh, The president's video, in which the president hardly appears, features real people saying real things, you know, like, wow, I guess there's going to be an election, huh? Maybe we'll vote for President Obama again if there's nobody better by that time. It'd be great if Obama (laughs) announced the same way that he did before. He was like, we're going to change Washington. I'm going to go down there and change all the rules. And everyone's like, it's your rules, dude. (laughs) What are you doing? The the problem for Obama is he has to declare his candidacy in order to raise money, but it's too early to be in full campaign mode for the president. And besides, he's ambivalent about running again, and who can blame him? He's probably thinking, man, sometimes I wish I was born in Kenya. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to plant a false birth certificate. Yeah, really? No, seriously, I'm not qualified. Wasn't born here. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. I'd love to serve, but (laughs) what can you do? (laughs) Exactly. In downtown Manhattan last year, this man was put on trial and was found guilty in the American embassy bombings in Kenya and in Tanzania. Uh, The jury convicted him. He was sentenced to life in prison. The trial happened in lower Manhattan last year. Uh, Also last year in Brooklyn, this man pleaded guilty to trying to blow up part of the New York City subway. He pled guilty in a criminal court in Brooklyn. He is now facing life in prison. Also last year, also in New York City, down on Pearl Street, this man pleaded guilty in criminal court to trying to blow up Times Square with a car bomb. He is now serving life in prison. Also last year, a grand jury in Michigan indicted this guy. You may know him as the underwear bomber. He's in a federal prison awaiting trial. Criminal investigators say he has confessed. If that confession sticks, he will be up for a very, very long time in a federal prison, which is where we put people who are convicted of serious crimes. Except when we don't. Because even though the record of charging people with crimes and convicting people of crimes when they have committed terrorist acts is the kind of record that would make a Dodge City sheriff's candidate blush with pride, the Obama administration has decided that some terrorists, some crimes, will be treated the way the Bush administration treated them, which is not like crimes at all, but rather as something that has to be handled outside the court system in a fake court tribunal system for which we have to maintain an offshore prison so the prisoners there don't, by stepping on you soil accidentally trigger any expectations of how America treats people. When you consider the two major things that happened in democratic politics today, it is sort of amazing that they both happened on the same day. Today's the day that President Obama announced that he is running for re-election. He did it with this ad, uh, this ad that you are seeing here. You will notice this ad has no Barack Obama in it. It's just Obama supporters, people who supported his election in 2008 and who say they will work to re-elect him next year, too. I just saw the energy and and hope that he had for this country. But even though I couldn't exactly vote at the time, um, I knew that someday I'd be able to help re-elect him. (laughs) Um, And that's what I plan on doing. We're not leaving it up to chance. We're not leaving it up to, oh, you know, the incumbent, the type of thing. is an election that we have to win. 
president's re-election campaign launched today without showing the president, highlighting purely and only the president's base, the people who worked their butts off to elect him in 2008, who the president is depending on to be just as motivated, just as hardworking, just as enthused this time around. And on the same day the president launches his re-election campaign with this ad, in this way, with that bullhorn summoning of the base, on the same day the administration did this to the president's base. The Obama administration has pulled the plug tonight on one of its signature efforts. It now says it has given up on a courtroom trial for the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks here inside the United States. Instead, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and others will be tried before military commissions at the U.S. military base in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Attorney General Eric Holder announcing today that despite what he said two years ago about bringing terrorism prosecutions out of the murky legal underworld of Guantanamo and its made-up fake court offshore tribunals, despite those promises, despite President Obama as one of his first official actions as president, declaring that Guantanamo would be closed within a year, despite those things that conservatives may have liked, but the base was, you know, conservatives may not have liked, but the base was pretty psyched about. Uh, the administration said today that it will go ahead with Guantanamo uh, and the fake court offshore tribunals for the alleged 9-11 mastermind, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. The Beltway media reaction to this story was that this was all politics. This was all about making the timing of this happen in such a way that would be of most political advantage to the president and to his re-election effort. It sort of tells you everything you need to know about how the Beltway sees the relationship between the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party's base. If a Republican president announced he was actually pro-choice or pro-gay marriage or that he was closing Guantanamo, if a Republican president announced that on the same day he launched his re-election effort, the Beltway would convulse with shock over that Republican president alienating his base on day one of his campaign. But a Democratic president kicks his base in the teeth on something as fundamental as civil liberties. He puts the nail in the coffin of a civil liberties promise he made on his first full day in office, and he does it on the first day of his re-election effort. Beltway reaction to that is, huh, good move. That's the difference between Republican politics and Democratic politics. The Republicans may not love their base, but they fear them and they play to them. The Democratic Party institutional structures of D.C. and the Beltway press in particular not only hate the Democratic base, they think it is good politics for Democratic politicians to kick that base publicly whenever possible. Only the base itself will ever change that. Like the fellow once said, ain't that a kick in the head? This sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in a boat? My head keeps spinning. I'd go to sleep and keep grinning. If this is just the beginning. And this seems like a good time. People have been emailing me saying, can you address some of the campaign promises that Barack Obama made? that uh, that he did not keep and give us your sense of which you think are the most concerning or whatever the, the most disappointing and alternate actually put together this list and at the top of that list is health care and again Barack Obama said in 2007 then senator he wants to make sure no American is without access to vital medical attention and proposed using revenues from the soon to expire Bush tax cuts to fund it now remember those Bush tax cuts were extended and in most states, not here in Massachusetts, but in most states, if you make under $30,000 a year, you have trouble affording care. So that did not happen. Closing Guantanamo. I think it was probably strategically, even though I agree with the closing of Guantanamo, a mistake to make such a specific promise. And hey, I want specific promises from politicians. We don't get enough of them, Lewis. But what I'm saying is, given that Barack Obama was not able to close Guantanamo, it's not, a, it's not even clear that it will happen at all. How could he not have the foresight to realize that that was an unrealistic promise? I don't know. Maybe yeah, at the knows? time it wasn't considered unrealistic. Well, I guess. Labor rights. Listen to what Barack Obama said about labor rights. And I, I think we have it here. Do we have it? Yes. I believe we do. Okay, here we go. And, and understand this, if American workers are being denied their right to organize 
and collectively bargain when I'm in the White House. I'll put on a comfortable pair of shoes myself. I'll walk on that picket line with you as President of the United States of America. Right. Because well, tell me, where did I you didn't see, see that? him in Wisconsin? I didn't see him there. You're right. I didn't see him there. Despite these efforts in Wisconsin, Tennessee, Michigan, Ohio, Maine, Florida, Indiana to curtail collective bargaining rights, I have not seen the president at a single protest. I haven't seen him at a single picket line. Not as specific as closing Guantanamo, but no. still pretty specific. It's still pretty specific. Very much so. Reforming the Patriot Act also, the, the administration sought an extension of the Patriot Act that was actually even longer than the one Republicans themselves wanted. It's not what's intended. These words just come out. With no crop to The following clip is NBC News anchor David Gregory appearing on the NBC Nightly News on April 9th, explaining how he sees Barack Obama's 2012 campaign strategy. And I thought what was striking about what the president said, if you listen to his comments made Friday night, he sounded very much like a Republican, talking about the need to cut spending. That's the re-election play here. He wants the American people to know, particularly those independent voters, that he is in line with what a lot of Americans want, which is less government, trimming down the size and the scope of government. He wants to be able to say, look, I brought the sides together, I averted the shutdown, and I'm on board with cutting government spending. That's the message he wants to drive next year. You could have a good argument about whether Obama is really behaving like a Republican, but the more revealing thing here is that Gregory seems to believe this is a wise political strategy, and he thinks it's wise because he thinks that's what voters want. As we've pointed out before, public opinion polls indicate that voters mostly want someone to do something about jobs. The media believe that the public wants spending cuts, an idea, generally speaking, that is more in line with conservative or Republican ideology. Thus, a Democrat who embraces budget cuts will be portrayed as one doing what the public wants, no matter what the public actually wants. This is, of course, the very same media that will be covering the 2012 election. Hey, David Pakman here, host of The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. If you're like me, you're a regular listener of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with Jay Tomlinson. If you like that, I invite you to check out my show, The David Pakman Show. Not only will you hear the best of the left, but you'll also hear some of the worst of the right, including some of the craziest bigots and racists around. But don't worry, I don't agree with them. Check out davidpakman.com, check out our show, continue listening to Best of the Left podcast, and even consider becoming a member of The David Pakman Show, all at davidpakman.com. Welcome to our first installment of Meet Your Potential 2012 GOP Candidate. First up, as you can tell, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. Now, to prepare you for our candidacy, which reportedly is going to kick off in June, we've got a primer on what to expect. As the founder of the Tea Party Caucus, she's got to come out against any and all tax increases, a point she made clear on the Today Show this morning. Is raising taxes on the table? I don't think it should be on the table because tax rates are high enough already. I'm not sure she can close her eyes. Tax rates are too high. All right, we just showed you, of course, a little while ago that tax rates are near all-time lows. But that would be facts. But Bachman's true radicalism really shines when it comes to social issues. Her extreme views were on full display this week in Iowa at a speech she gave to the social conservative group Family Leader. By the way, that gets under my skin. Family apparently now means anti-gay in Washington. 
why is that family values? All right, but back to Bachman. She's so opposed to gay marriage, she wants to prevent the U.S. court system from even considering legalizing it. Something else that we can do to reinforce our pro-marriage, pro-life, pro-family agenda is to limit the subject matter jurisdiction of the courts. At the federal level, with what are called Article Three courts, Article Three of the United States Constitution, we can limit the subject matter that justices can rule on. We have it within our authority to decide what judges can rule on and what they can't. I love that Think Progress catches uh, this stuff on video. <laughs> of course, her statements are not entirely true. They can only limit the appellate jurisdiction of the Supreme Court, for example. But those distinctions are lost on Bachman. Our tradition of separate powers for three different branches of government? Ah! Who needs it? She then went on to say, quote, Anytime the people speak, they say with one voice that marriage is one man, one woman. The only way that they say that with one voice is if you discount most of the voices in the country. A recent poll found that 53% of Americans think same-sex marriage should be legal. Only 44% think that it should remain illegal. Another poll found that when you include same-sex marriage and civil unions, 70% are in favor and only 25% thinks that gay couples should have no opportunity for any legal recognition. But the group Michelle Bachman was speaking to in Iowa isn't just against gay marriage. The leader of the group has said homosexuality is a public health hazard. Think Progress asked Bachman if she agreed. Congresswoman, some, some groups, uh, including this one, I believe, have argued that homosexuality is a public health crisis uh, akin to secondhand smoking. I was wondering if you agreed with that. Um, I, I, I don't have an answer on that. I don't have an answer. Okay, okay. Why, why don't I have another question? <laughs> what is this, a game show? Alex, I don't quite have the answer for that. Can I use a lifeline? Can I call a friend? No? Okay, I'd like another question. <laughs> Wasn't that hard a question? All right, Michelle Bachman is also part of the movement against funding Planned Parenthood, of course, and she made sure to demonize them at that same event in Iowa. Do you know that Planned Parenthood is a billion-dollar-a-year entity? They call themselves nonprofit, but at the same time, the executive director of Planned Parenthood in Illinois said they want to become the lens crafter of big abortion in Illinois. You're going to be really shocked to find out that actually no one from Planned Parenthood actually said that. What the CEO of Planned Parenthood did say three years ago was, quote, I like to think of Planned Parenthood as the lens crafters of family planning, not big abortion, family planning, which of course encompasses a wide range of health services. But for Republicans like Michelle Bachman, family planning is synonymous with abortion. Of course, all of this is nothing new for the Tea Party darling. Her political resume is peppered with bizarre and outrageous actions and statements going back to when she was a Minnesota state senator. In 2005, she was caught crouching behind a bush spying on a gay rights rally that was protesting her proposed state constitutional amendment outlawing same-sex marriage. Her excuse for hiding in the bushes? I had high heels on and I just couldn't stand anymore. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now, <laughs> now another 2005 run-in with the LGBT community was even more dramatic. After a meeting with her constituents where she was challenged on her anti-gay policies, she filed a report with the local sheriff against two women she, quote, believed to be part of the LGBT community or group, accusing them of holding her in the ladies' room against her will. Bachman said in the report she had never been that terrorized before. Ah, lesbians! The complaint was dismissed, and shockingly, her claims of being held hostage by lesbians never made it to trial. But Bachman has cover for her weird behavior. She claims it was God's will that she become a state senator and then a congresswoman. God seems very concerned about her, and if he chose her as his representative in Washington, it was a curious choice indeed. And once Bachman got to the nation's capital, her wacky ways just picked up steam. Here's just a sample. I wish the American media would take a great look at the views of the people in Congress and find out are they pro-America or anti-America. The very founders that wrote those documents worked tirelessly until slavery was no more 
Obamacare, as we know, is the crown jewel of socialism. I am just not comfortable with the way this census is being handled. There isn't even one study that can be produced that shows that carbon dioxide is a harmful gas. Not all cultures are equal. Not all values are equal. That's great stuff. With that, consider yourself prepared for Bachman 2012. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. Donald Trump made his rounds on daytime television promoting this TV show and a potential presidential run. When asked about his recent comments that flirted with birtherism, Trump doubled down. Are you a birther, well, Donald? Okay. Let, me, let me just tell you, I was a really good student at the best school. I'm not like a smart guy, okay? They make these birthers into the worst idiots. Why doesn't he show his birth certificate? I, I think he's probably he have to? because I have to, and everybody else has to. Whoopie! I'm sure. Why wouldn't he show his Excuse me. <laughs> Why? No. Excuse me. I really believe there's a birth certificate. Why? Look, she's smiling. Why doesn't he show his birth certificate? And you know what? I wish he would because I think it's a terrible pal that's hanging over him. Despite debunking by numerous fact-checking organizations, this conspiracy theory just won't die. Seems like anyone looking to run for president these days has to make a hat tip to the birther movement. Let's get to uh, the elections coming up. Before any Republican can gear up to defeat Barack Obama, they must first destroy all but one of themselves. <laughs> to do that, they have got to appeal to the hardest of their core. A race we will explore in our ongoing coverage. Which Republican will be elected the president of Basistan? <laughs> Basistan, of course, that rarest of countries where somehow every part of the country is in its middle. <laughs> Even its coasts are its heartland. Now, you can't use the lamestream media to reach these voters of your base. So the candidates must be resourceful to ensure they appeal to the broadest swath of narrow people. In this regard, Tea Party darling Michelle Bachman is an early frontrunner. Her State of the Union response in January bypassed not just the lamestream media, but the cameraman. Because we all know the denizens of Basistan are somewhere over... Of course, Bachman's next tech adventure was a live Facebook town hall from a mall in Des Moines, where she clearly fixed her eyeline issues. I apologize for the noise in the background. This is live in Des Moines. That's waterfall noise that you're hearing in the background. <laughs> All right, let's take another Facebook question. This one's from Ted in Arizona. Why don't you move away from the waterfall? All right. I just answered that before. That's been the first five questions. Does anyone have a non-waterfall question? <laughs> but you know, to win over the Republican base, it's not just the medium, it's also the message. And while the economy is clearly the number one concern in this country, Basistan has even more urgent issues. And Republican candidate Herman Cain notes Basistan, they may be God-fearing, but they're Allah terrified. Would you be comfortable appointing a Muslim either in your cabinet or as a uh, federal judge? No, I will not. <clears throat> uh, would you let a Jew drive you to the airport? <laughs> would you play golf with a Catholic? <laughs> Can a Druid mow your lawn? Keen, <laughs> Keen's gonna be tough to catch with that. Who will challenge? Gingrich warned of a takeover by atheist radical Islamists. Quote, I have two grandchildren. Maggie is 11, Robert is 9. I am convinced that if we do not decisively win the struggle over the nature of America, by the time they're my age, they will be in a secular atheist country, potentially one dominated by radical Islamists. I don't, I, I don't want to, obviously, I don't want to nitpick this, but... Could a secular atheist country be dominated by religious extremists? 
I mean, you can't have one, but I don't believe you can have the other. Atheist Islamist. Atheist So does an atheist Islamist, what do they pray five times a day to a god they don't believe exists? Is that? <laughs> of course, Gingrich has had to fight twice as hard for the vote in Republican basis then, because his values voter cred is somewhat damaged by his value pack amount of wives. <laughs> but he's working hard to explain his past infidelities. There's no question that at times in my life, uh, partially driven by, by how passionately I felt about this country, uh, that I worked far too hard, and that things happened in my life that were not appropriate. Yes, I strayed. <laughs> but she was wearing a flag pin on her vagina. I, to not, to not f that would let the terrorists win, and I... I <laughs> Listen, just be thankful we didn't mock that one up. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as five dollars a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. You know who Mike Huckabee is, right? Uh, he ran for president, won Iowa. I've actually been on the TV with Mike Huckabee. I've met my, I have pictures of Mike Huckabee shaking the hand that I have jammed up my husband's ass. Yes. Well, we don't actually fist, but enough of the fingers have been up there at any given time that perhaps in Toto the whole hand has been up there. And Mike had a little interview on Fox News the other day where he was being asked uh, by a Fox News host who was sort of kind of coming to the defense of gay families and gay marriage. It was kind of a looking glass moment. But anyway, the host was asking Mike, who was saying that he opposed gay marriage because there are so many single mothers who should be married to the fathers of their children, and therefore he opposes gay marriage because if gay people can't get married, I guess then I will go marry a single mother, maybe, for shits and giggles. But anyway, they had this little exchange. Two-thirds of the children in America who are in poverty would not be in poverty if the mothers of those children were married to the fathers of those but children. None, none of that has anything to do with allowing a same-sex couple down the block to live together and to be married. Question, do yep. conservatives care about the couple down the block? Yes, they do. Why? Not that they care. Why what do they, they want to get in their bedroom? No, no, no. They don't want to get in their bedroom. They, they definitely don't want to get in their bedroom. They don't want to see what's going on in that bedroom. He said, with his eyes bugging out on the TV, which begs the question, you know, does anybody out there really want to watch Mike Huckabee blow a three-day load all over his wife's face? No? What about Mike and the wife? Google him. Google image him. I dare you. What about Mike and the wife? Six to nine each other. Or maybe you want to see Mike and the wife banging away doggy style. Maybe the wife pegging Mike. Maybe Mike and the wife pissing on each other, whipping up a little Santorum before church on Sunday. Or maybe this, maybe you would like to see Mike Huckabee gently finger the wife and then use his own soaking wet fingers to dab her vaginal secretions on his own nipples before leaning down over the wife and placing his nipples one at a time very lovingly in his wife's mouth so that she can taste herself. Anybody want to see that? No. I don't want to see that. I think I speak for all Americans everywhere when I say, really, none of us want to see what's going on in your bedroom, Mike any more than you want to see what's going on in my bedroom. You know, I get it. You think gay sex is icky and gay people are icky and we make our, your eyes bug out when you think for a moment about what we're doing in our bedrooms. And that's totally fine. I, I get where you're coming from. Cunnilingus gives me the willies. And I'd rather see my own intestines wound onto a spool than see you fuck your wife, Mike Huckabee. But you know what? People shouldn't be discriminated against because other people don't want to watch him fuck. 
You are not required to watch the married people down the block fuck just because they got a marriage license. A marriage license is not a license to fuck on the sidewalk in front of your house in full view of passing right-wing bigot Fox News asshole aspiring presidential douchebag candidate dip fuckwits. All right? And answer the man's question, Mike. You never really got around to it. How does denying marriage rights to a same-sex couple down the street make the single mother up the street any more likely to marry the father of her children? How does discriminating against gay people make straight people better parents or more responsible? How does that work? It doesn't. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Jess Levin. Fox News contributor Sarah Palin has punted on the birther issue in the past, calling it a, quote, distraction. Over the weekend, though, she seemed to be singing a different tune. Well, I appreciate that the Donald wants to spend his resources in getting to the bottom of something that it so interests him and, and many Americans. You know, more power to him. He, he's not just throwing stones and... And um, uh, from the sidelines, he's digging in there. He's, he's paying for researchers to find out why President Obama would have spent $2 million to uh, not show his birth certificate. So, you know, more power to him. You know, I am a huge fan of former Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty. This man gives me Pawlenty to dream about. <laughs> Although, when he starts talking in those dreams, I dream I'm falling asleep. <laughs> but yesterday, the T-Paw went on CNN and did something shocking. In a hypothetical scenario, uh, Governor, if someone like Donald Trump was to emerge as the Republican nominee, and asked you to be vice president, would you accept that honor? <laughs> I'm running for president. I'm not putting my head in the ring rhetorically or ultimately for vice president. So I'm focused on running for president. He announced he's running for president. I was stunned. And I wasn't the only one because after CNN showed a promo of Pawlenty saying, I'm running for president. Pawlenty's spokesman fired off an angry press release saying that CNN reported the full quote out of context and Pawlenty will have a formal announcement about running for president <laughs> later this spring. <laughs> Folks, I gotta say, I do not blame them for trying to walk this one back. Declaring your candidacy for president is supposed to be special. You only get to do it once. So you want to wait for that perfect journalist to share it with. Not just give it up to the first guy who asks. Certainly not to Morgan the organ. I mean, Pauletti just got up there and did it with peers and he let him videotape it. I mean, poor Tim, he tried to reclaim his non-candidacy, but everyone knows he put it out there. He's never going to find a nice guy to declare with now. No one's going to want Piers Morgan's sloppy seconds. Well, maybe Ed Schultz. So let this be a warning to you other candidates out there. Now that he jumped into declaring, before he was ready, Pawlenty is a much less desirable candidate. And I didn't think that was possible. It's by Slate's David Weigel, and it's called Bachman Overdrive. Michelle Bachman for president? Among Republicans, she's more popular than you think. Pollster and political guru Frank Luntz flew to Iowa last month to conduct a survey for Fox News. 
26 Republicans, likely to vote in the next caucuses, were shown video clips of 11 politicians who might run for president. They twisted dials scored from 0 to 100 to rate the candidates. One of the clear winners was Minnesota Representative Michelle Bachman. There's a strong message that the people want us to hear, said Bachman on video. Number one, it is get rid of the big spending, which leads to big deficits, which kills jobs. And then number two, we don't want the federal government to control private industry or own private industry. The Iowans couldn't twist their dials fast enough. She hit 90 at the end, said Sean Hannity. Those are solid numbers for anybody. Luntz explained that the voters like Bachman's talk about business and constitutional principles. Sarah Palin came in with significant support, said Luntz, but after these voters watched Michelle Bachman, Palin's numbers came way down and Michelle Bachman's numbers shot up. The focus group pruned the field. Mitt Romney was dumped early, as was Mitch Daniels, boring, as was John Thune. This was before he withdrew from the race. They dumped Palin but kept Bachman because they thought that she was more direct and less polarizing, Luntz said. Bachman was their third choice right after Mike Huckabee and Newt Gingrich. The moral of the story? Don't write off Michelle Bachman. Oh, the temptation is there. After CNN broke the news that the third-term representative was taking steps toward a presidential bid, Republican strategist Mike Murphy assured Time magazine readers that she was a kook. As I tweeted a few weeks ago, Michelle Bachman makes Sarah Palin look like Count Metternich. It took mere hours for Fox News to locate one of her former chiefs of staff, her fifth, and confirm that he backed the other candidate from Minnesota, former Governor Tim Pawlenty. But how many votes does Mike Murphy have in Iowa? Early primary and caucus states are the places where the candidates who appeal to activists can catch fire, and where, if they're lucky, they can force the rest of the candidates to move closer to them. This is why Michelle Bachman can dramatically affect Republican politics in 2011 and 12 if she commits to a run. Let us count the ways. The roving eye of the media. Bachman is one of the most covered, most quoted Republican members of Congress. This phenomenon began in October 2008 when she appeared on MSNBC's Hardball and mused about Democrats being investigated for anti-American thinking. It took on weight during 2009, during the rise of the Tea Party, as Bachman rose from backbench obscurity by one-upping her leadership on criticisms of President Obama. No one had to prod Bachman to accuse Obama of engineering the final leap to socialism or saying the Serve America Act was effectively creating re-education camps. According to LexisNexis, since that first hardball appearance, Bachman has been discussed on 127 episodes of the show. Bachman's arrival as a possible 2012 candidate sucks up some undetermined amount of media attention that would have otherwise gone to help introduce Palenti or another candidate. We don't know who that helps. The most covered candidate of the 2010 cycle, according to Pew, was Christine O'Donnell, the quotable but hopeless U.S. Senate candidate in Delaware. That cut both ways for Republicans. It kept the spotlight away from some other flawed candidates, but it directed grassroots money and energy into a lost cause when a lot of other conservatives could have used it. The Tancredo Effect in every presidential cycle, there's a politician with a relatively small base, Dennis Kucinich, Tom Tancredo, who gets into the race not to win, but to yank people closer to him on his pet issue. Bachman is more credible than most candidates who try this. She raised $13.5 million for her gimme re-election in 2010. That's more than Mike Huckabee raised for his presidential candidacy from the day he entered to the day he won the Iowa caucuses in 2008. For now, though, Republican strategists view Bachman as a Tancredo-type candidate who can force her issues into the debate. Strategists I talked to on Thursday basically agreed that Bachman would drive the field to the right because she'd done it before, criticizing Republicans in 2010 for not immediately signing up for the repeal of the Affordable Care Act and casting a lonely vote against one of the short-term budget bills this year because it didn't defund what she calls Obamacare. Oh yes, Congress. After Bachman bailed on a leadership contest in January, my colleague Noreen Malone wrote that Republicans had missed a chance to contain her. If she runs, Bachman will be the only member of the House, the seat of Republican power right now, running the Lincoln Day and Straw Poll circuit. 
Her statements on the stump will be as prominent as anything Majority Leader Eric Cantor or Speaker John Boehner say. Having seen them wince when reporters asked them to respond to Bachman's alternative State of the Union speech or her claim of a slush fund in the Affordable Care Act, I can guess how excited her presidential race must make them. Mr. Speaker, a member of your caucus who is running for president said in South Carolina today that your budget does not go far enough to scale back Social Security spending. What's your response to that? Palin Methadone When Dana Milbank fulfilled a pledge to spend a whole month ignoring Sarah Palin in his columns, he joked that Bachman was his methadone. There is a Palin-shaped hole in the 2012 campaign, and the campaigns of people like Rick Santorum and Tim Pawlenty get a lot easier if Palin doesn't run. But if Bachman runs, a lot of Palin's voters may gravitate to her. I haven't been to every Tea Party rally, so I could have missed one, but I've seen far more handmade Bachman signs than I have draft Santorum foam hands. Bachman and Palin are lumped together for an obvious reason. They're high-powered Republican women. But as that Lund's focus group showed, Bachman is taken more seriously than Palin in some circles. While Palin is a pundit who communicates through social networks and Fox News, Bachman has a vote in Congress and daily vulnerability to press ambushes. There are millions of Republican women who, in the age of Palin, like the idea of another female candidate. If Palin does pass on the 2012 race, what happens if she endorses Bachman? This has been a sleepy, late-breaking campaign so far. Today, we may have seen its first serious dark horse candidate. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Now to win in Basistan, you will have to talk about the economy. In particular, how abortion has ruined it, as Rick Santorum discussed in this interview. The reason Social Security is in big trouble is we don't have enough workers to support the retirees. Well, a third of all the young people in America are not in America today because of abortion, because one in three pregnancies end in abortion. So, abortion is bad because it has reduced the number of young people who can pay for the baby boomer's retirement. I guess you could then also make the argument that we wouldn't be in the social security predicament in the first place if more of the baby boomers had just been aborted. <laughs> or if Hitler had won World War II. But you know, any candidate can make hypothetical anti-abortion arguments. Mississippi Governor Haley Barber walks the walk of the womb. The legislature, and I had a Democrat majority in both houses, passed six pro-life bills my first year that led to Americans United for Life to call Mississippi the safest state in America for an unborn child. And the highest mortality rate in America for children out of the womb. <laughs> 50th, 52nd, if you include D.C. and Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's like it says on their license plate, Mississippi, proud home of the biggest discrepancy between pre- and postnatal health. <laughs> Looks like Barbara might need extra basis than credit. Perhaps she could invade Gazelvania. Here's why he'd reinstate, don't ask, don't tell. You're in under fire, and, and people are living and dying on split-second decisions. You don't need any kind of amorous uh, mindset that can affect saving people's lives and killing bad guys. Who in the middle of a firefight has an amorous mindset? And by the way... Wouldn't the guy who has a crush on you be more likely to save your life? So, the media, Muslims, abortion, gays, I think that's it.
All oh, right, one more thing in Basistan. Something that makes Basistan oh so so angry. Something they hate more than anything else. Their so-called president. Obama's policies are hurting the economy. Obamacare is a disaster. It is maybe the most passive and uh, out of touch presidency in modern American history. We don't like this radical socialism that's being shoved down our throats. Okay. <sighs> Boring, out of touch, disastrous, radical socialist. Does anyone want to win this race? Why doesn't he show his birth certificate? <laughs> that is the basis stand resin. Just. <laughs> By the way, he did produce a birth certificate. It was legally certified. People saw it. But uh, uh, who gives you? Dive in, Donald. You know what I did yesterday was very interesting. I said, where's my birth certificate? Get me my birth certificate. And they brought it to my office. I have it. And then I said, you know what? Dip my birth certificate in gold. <laughs> Give it some fake tits and tell it to wait in my bedroom. <laughs> That's how easy it is. Trump 2012. I'm hired. This is the Media Matters Minutes. I'm Tyrone Gale. This week, the right-wing media managed to fall in love pretty quickly with the Donald, despite his recent controversial statements. You know the Donald Trump's real appeal? I don't think it's his money or his fame. I really don't. It's not the way he handles the issues. I think it's the way he talks about the issues. He's brutally frank. He's unusually blunt. I think he talks like a boxer, even though he's a billionaire. And I suspect he got to be a billionaire precisely because he didn't talk like a billionaire. Being blunt is something Trump doesn't have trouble with. Speaking on a radio show, he said the following earlier this week. I have a great relationship with the blacks. I have, I've always had a great relationship with the blacks. Classy Trump. Conservatives don't seem to mind Trump's birther claims nor his blunt talk. A new public policy polling poll released today shows Trump leading the Republican presidential primary race by nine points. I have clearly got to get a pack, but again, I have no idea what packs do. Here to tell us what they do is the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission and general counsel for the McCain Campaign 08, Trevor Potter. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Potter. Okay, sir. I'm all set here. Okay. Okay, sir. Let's start with some basics here. What is a pack? It's a group of individuals who get together and raise and spend money to elect or defeat a candidate, sometimes by contributing to them directly, sometimes by taking out television advertising independently to talk about them or issues that the PAC is uh, focused on. Why, why would you form a PAC? Why wouldn't I just give money to a candidate? You can give money to a candidate, but the amount you can give is limited. And in many cases, uh, if you say Sierra Club or the NRA or doctors or nurses, they may only be giving small individual amounts, but if they can contribute to the pack, put it all together, they then have a lot more money to make a bigger noise if they want to uh, contribute or take out advertising. Okay, so can, any, can anybody create a pack? Can I make my own pack? You can. Okay, and, and let, let's talk about the different kind of packs that we can make. I've got the actual, this is the actual legal form for, for making a pack here. <laughs> Statement of organization, we would call it a Colbert pack. Right. Okay, and then email address would be, I don't know, like big and pimpin' at colbertpack.com, <laughs> something like that. Uh, okay, there's different kinds. There's, 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 we've got candidate committee, party committee, political action committee, and joint fundraising representative. If I, if I wanted something like what uh, Mike Huckabee has or Sarah Palin has, which one of these would I, would I be wanted to do? Well, I'm not sure it's on that form, but what you want is a what they call a non-connected PAC. Oh, there's a non-connected committee right there. There you is go. That it? That's it. A non-connected committee. So wh why do I want that? What, so what does that mean, non-connected? Well, that means that it's not formed by a corporation or union, but it's formed by individuals. And you can form it. You can go out and solicit contributions from the whole world. Mm -hmm. And then you can spend that money on politics. Can I spend it on other things besides politics? 
Like, let's say if I'm Sarah Palin and I got a couple of million dollars in my pack there, can I use that to like take private jets to go someplace? You can. I can. <laughs> no, you say I can use this this money for advertising also. Mm -hmm. Does the person I'm advertising for have to agree to me advertising for them? Or could I use my money to advertise for a candidate who doesn't even want me to advertise for them? Even if they want you to do it, they can't agree to it. You have to do it independently. So I can't ask them whether they want me to. I just have to pick a candidate and do ads for them. Right. And I can use that pack money for that, too. Yes. It's brilliant. Is there anything, any reason I wouldn't want to pack? Well, uh, you would want to be careful if you had a pack. Yes, let's say you, if I had a if pack. If you had a pack. <laughs> that you complied with all the rules, filled out all the forms, uh, filed them with the Federal Election Commission. Uh -huh, because uh -huh. if you didn't do that, yeah. then you'd be responsible for breaking the law. Uh-huh. You wouldn't want to do that. No, I wouldn't want to do that at all. Do a lot of people go to jail for breaking the law with their packs? No. How, can you name anyone who has gone to jail for breaking the law with their packs? Not a person. <laughs> That's my kind of law. All right, folks. What do you think? Do you do you want your voices heard in the form of my voice? want to be players in the 2012 campaign? Do you want to receive spam emails asking for five, ten, or fifteen dollars? Those cheers are legally binding. That's it. Colbert Pack is going to be real. We're going to do it. Public policy polling. If it is anywhere near true, the Republicans are in massive trouble. They say 43% of voters think that House Republicans are doing a worse job now than the Democrats did, compared with only 36% who think the GOP has brought an improvement. 19% say about the same. Now, 43-36, it doesn't seem like that's that lopsided. But you have to remember, just a little while ago, a couple of months ago, the Republicans had an enormous lead. They have now lost that lead entirely and gone in the opposite direction. Let me give you more details. 62% of voters think that Republicans have either made things worse or brought no improvement to what is already an unpopular Congress. Those are not good numbers, but we continue. During the exit polling in the last election, the GOP had a 19-point margin, 56 to 37. Overwhelming, right? Well, now they have lost it entirely. 30% of those voters think that Republicans controlled the House is moving in the right direction when asked uh, that question today, and only, uh, compared to 44% who thinks that things were better with the Democrats. 30 to 44 in favor of the Democrats now. Giant, giant swing. What happened? They just took one look at the Republicans and go, oh, sons of bitches were lying to us. Because remember, during the campaign, the GOP, all they did was, where are the jobs, where are the jobs, where are the jobs? And they kept talking about how they're going to create jobs. Since coming to office, not one bill about jobs, not even a word about jobs, nothing, not a zilch. Instead, oh, we're going to rip health care apart, oh, we want abortion to be repealed, and etc. Whether they mean it or not, that's the rhetoric that they're throwing out there constantly. And we're going to cut spending, but cutting spending costs jobs. We don't 
care. We want more tax cuts for the rich. Now that you see their agenda, and by the way, it happens state by state too. That's exactly what happened in Wisconsin, Ohio, Florida. As people see what Republican governors actually want to do, they go, whoa, that's not what they told us. That's not what we're interested in. And their uh, ratings have plummeted. Walker in Wisconsin, Kasich in Ohio, and, and Scott in, uh, in Florida have lost anywhere between, I think, 15 to 20 points in their approval ratings in a matter of months. Same thing happening to the Republicans in Congress nationally. To lose a 19-point edge and now uh, to be 14 points behind, it's an amazing turnaround. And look, I hate to keep saying how right I was, but again, I say it, I think I say it, I hope it's not because of my ego, but it's because I want you to take it seriously when I tell you something, right? I'm not making this stuff up. It's... It's, you see it in the numbers, right? I mean, I saw this coming earlier, and now it's here. Again, if the polling is accurate here, because this, these numbers are quite amazing, right? So what's the second part I was right about? These shifts are now dramatic, and they're happening all the time. Before, in order to get incumbents out of office, it would take an, such Herculean effort, and it would take 10 to 20 years to unseat an incumbent sometimes, and you had to work and work and work. Now the tides are much faster and much larger. Change comes every two years. Big tide in favor of the Democrats in 06. Big tide in favor of the Democrats in 08. And then a huge one for Republicans in 2010. See, that's what I'm doing. All I'm doing is look at the numbers. Uh, I say that there are these tides and this change that comes much more rapidly because I see it. I don't know why no one else can see the most obvious thing in the world. The rest of Washington seems to get caught up with, who's winning? The Democrats, all the Democrats are the best. Although, that hardly ever happens. Even when they win, they're like, ah, it's not really a mandate. But that's another part of, of the problem in Washington. And when uh, the Republicans, they're like, oh, the Republicans, they have a huge mandate. They're the best. Oh, my God. Hey, wakey, wakey, man. Look at the trends. Look at the trends. And so that's also part of what's happening here. As they America sees what's happening easier, clearer, because now they have other outlets. They have the Internet. They have, uh, honestly, I think, much better access to news and real news. They can see with their own eyes. That stuff's not working, right? And so they turn around quickly. Before, there was a lag of information. So, you know, if your local newspaper wrote about it, you might find out about it. If they didn't, you might not. So that's why it took forever to get people out, because there was a blockage of information. Now information is pouring in like a tsunami, and so it affects people's opinions, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. But here they seem to have gotten more information and soured on the Republicans. Last thing, independent voters, of course, incredibly important. Now 42 to 33 in favor of the Democrats. That is a 28-point rever reversal in a matter of just five months. 28-point swing. Okay, now if these numbers are true and they hold steady, the Republicans are in massive trouble, and the House can go right back to the Democrats in 2012. And as I've told you a million times, the Democrats' best friend are the Republicans. It's because the Democrats are feckless, they're weak, they're frustrating, and they keep tripping over themselves to agree with the Republicans. Oh my God, you're so right, what else can we give you? But the Republicans are so radical, so absurd, so extreme, that the American people are at the end go, well, what am I going to do? I can't vote for those guys. All right, I, I guess I'll vote for the Democrat. That's the situation that we're in, and it's, it's not necessarily any credit to the Democrats at all, but it is, as I've been saying now for a long time, a great discredit to the Republicans, which they have wholly earned. Hi, Jay, Chuck in Salt Lake City, uh, answering your call uh, to uh, call in with suggestions for shows. You know, six months ago, uh, it would have been Dan Carlin's show, Common Sense, uh, but you're playing him now, and that's fantastic. Uh, his other show uh, that he does, the history show, Hardcore History, it's a little off topic, but it's uh, a fantastic show people should be listening to, too. Um, but uh, the show I'd really like to mention that you're not playing anything from is uh, War News Radio 
from Swarthmore College. And these kids are putting together a pretty good show uh, with interviews with soldiers, interviews with commanders, interviews uh, from Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, and it's super informative, not strictly a progressive show, but uh, one that, uh, you know, you got to keep your mind open if you're going to be a progressive person, uh, much like Dan Carlin's show. Uh, anyway, uh, War News Radio, um, Hardcore History, uh, and of course, uh, my favorite, Best of the Left. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Hey Jay, it's Eric from Eagle Mountain, Utah. Just listened to your latest episode where you were asking for people to call in to talk about shows that they love. Uh, I too love This American Life. It's it's life-changing. Um, I wait for it every week to come out. I've listened to every episode. Um, as well as your show, a uh, great show. The one show that I would suggest is The Moth. Um, I think you've used them in the past, but it doesn't seem like you've used them for a while. Um, it's a great, great show uh, where they talk about stories. Uh, it's a uh, a free-for-all where people get up on stage and tell stories about their lives. They have different themes. Um, can be very emotional. Um, I've cried, I've laughed, but an outstanding show I recommend to all the best of the left, left listeners. Um, and I just want to thank you, Jay, for, for what you do. Um, I live in a state and a city that uh, the Republican Party dominates, and it's nice to hear someone who agrees with my point of view and um, helps inspire me to get out there and be the activist that I need to be. Thanks, Jay. Talk to you later. Hi, Jay. This is Steve calling from Richmond, Virginia. Um, calling about the podcast uh, suggestions. I'm a podcastaholic, so I had to call in about this one. Uh, I'm a subscriber to the Majority Report, which is a great podcast. Uh, and they treat their, uh, their listeners really well. Of course, listen to your show, The Young Turks. But besides um, political podcasts, which I include under that banner, like NPR and public radio podcasts, like Sound of Young America, uh, sound Opinions, uh, another good one would be uh, This American Life, which you already uh, showcased. Uh, comedy podcasts are where I'm coming from. So I love Fitz Dog Radio. I love a lot of things that Earwolf has been putting out, like Comedy Death Ray, uh, Who Charted, and a really good one they put out is called The Wolf Den, about the business of podcasts. So that's great for anybody who's interested in actually podcasting. Uh, the Pod S Tomcast is like the funniest podcast ever put out. So definitely must listen to. And uh, speaking of the sound of Young America, the, the guy Jesse Thorne does uh, Jesse jo Jesse Jordan Go Jordan Jesse Go, a great podcast. And they also put out uh, Judge John Hodgman, which is a again hilarious. You can't go wrong with John Hodgman. Uh, just wanted to put out my suggestions there. I love your show too. Best of the Left is awesome. And that's that. Thanks. Hey, Jay, this is uh, Carter from Denver. Um, just want to respond to Ryan's comment about the Vietnam intervention. Uh, I agree with him that advisors lead to war usually, but not to make it all blame on Kennedy. Uh, Eisenhower was involved very much of that process with the French in Vietnam, and they even considered using a nuclear option, which was backed by who other than Richard Nixon. So just wanted to clear that up as well, go further back in history, and our entanglement with Vietnam went back to the 50s, maybe even the 40s, so just wanted to let you know, and love your show. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. Today, I want to mention for the second time about the fundraiser I'm helping to promote for the New Leaders Council. This is a national organization that I've kind of joined up with, become a part of recently, have become a supporter of, big fan of, 
And uh, basically what they do is have a big fundraiser every year to fund their programs. Uh, the, the portion of their program that I'm directly involved with is a, a training, leadership, entrepreneurship program. This is something that is done in cities all across the country. And it's been incredibly informative for me, incredibly helpful, and completely free. So it's been free for me and you know hundreds of other people across the country. This year, they do these uh, these training programs every year, and so each year we need to raise money to uh, to fund next year's event. So um, you know it's been incredibly helpful for me. I have absolutely zero problem. Uh, not only donating to the organization myself, but also helping to raise money in the way that I can uh, to to help them perpetuate their their uh, programs and goals uh, going into the future. So the fundraiser that I'm uh, asking that you donate to is Chicago specific. So if you live in the Chicago area, your ears should especially perk up and uh, and definitely you know join and attend the event if you're able the events on uh, May 11th in the evening in uh, in downtown Chicago but i think that this organization is so great that if you're not in the Chicago area i don't think you should just zone out about it uh, so as i said there are chapters in cities all across the country i'm a member of the Chicago chapter and uh, and so we're holding a fundraiser of course, you know, you buy a ticket, you come, you get, you know, drinks included with the cost of that ticket, you get some food, you get, uh, you know, to talk with a room full of, you know, great, you know, incredibly smart, incredibly, uh, you know, political people who, uh, you know, are either a member of the, uh, of the organization itself or other people who are just attending. We have great speakers coming. You know, it's the normal sort of uh, fundraising event you might imagine. And, uh, of course I will be there. So listeners of this show might find, uh, you know, an interest in meeting me. You never know. Stranger things have happened. So in any case, if you're interested in either attending or just, uh, you know, tossing five bucks in our direction to, to be supportive, uh, the place you can go to is of course, this is listed in the show notes of this show. You can find the link, but it's a bit.ly link that I've made short for you. bit.ly bit.ly slash support NLC. So it's the new leaders council bit.ly slash support NLC. That's where you can uh, buy tickets, of course, and also make a donation of any amount from anywhere uh, just because you're a good person and you want to be supportive of helping to build the next generation of uh, awesome progressive leaders, giving them the tools they need to, uh, you know, take their political passions and, uh, you know, really turn it into something even you know more effective and, uh, and earth changing. Now, speaking of supportive people, I just want to thank a couple of members of this show. Patricia G signed up for a leftist membership, paid for a full year in advance back on September 24th of last year. Thank you very much, Patricia. And Justin D signed up for a socialist monthly membership back on October 31st and has stuck with the show since then. So uh, thank you very much, Justin. Thank you, Patricia, and all of the members and donors who make the show possible. I couldn't do it without you guys. I say it all the time. It's absolutely true. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you love the show and are able to support it, I really, really highly encourage it because I couldn't do it without you. Of course, there are lots of ways to support the show without spending a dime. All of them are listed in a big support box uh, posted at bestoftheleft.com, so you can check that out as well. The biggest thing you can do is just tell everyone you know about it. You can stay connected with the show and help spread the word online by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details about the show, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all of that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 11 times a month, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to be A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Take you out in the open door This is not my life just a fun flower